A spectator subscription is now better value than ever before. As a new subscriber joining today, you'll pay just £1 a week for unlimited online and app access in your first year. To subscribe today, go to spectator.co.uk forward slash unlimited. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily political podcast. I'm Katie Balls and I'm joined by James Forsyth and Isabel Hardman. Boris Johnson is on his grand farewell tour, but is it a brief farewell as opposed to a permanent exit when it comes to his time as Prime Minister? James, talk us through what Boris Johnson has been doing today, because once again, he has refused to completely rule out a political comeback. Yeah, he has this formula that he uses that, you know, the public are much more interested in this issue than the, the fate of any individual politician. But I think Boris Johnson is also a canny enough person to know that by not ruling it out, you keep this interest going in what is he going to do next. And you also, there is the fact polling suggests that there are a large number of Conservative members who kind of uh, wish he was still there. Now, I, I don't personally see the circumstance in which he could come back, given the Conservative Parliamentary Party, I think one of the things we risk forgetting is everyone took the result of a second no-confidence vote of the 1922 committee had changed the rules for granted. But what I think there is here is one of the challenges for his successor will be that because Boris Johnson has this status as a kind of celebrity politician, everything he says is going to be newsworthy. And I think as Theresa May and David Cameron could tell you, Boris Johnson knows very well how to grab hold of the news agenda when he wants to. And also, the fact that he is going to hit the speaking circuit means that there will be kind of lots of opportunities for something from Boris Johnson to be regarded as newsworthy. So I think we are seeing on this, this is Boris Johnson. And also, I think there is also this fact, which, which is quite clear, is Boris Johnson feels that his time in number 10 has been cut short unfairly. I think that this this dynamic is going to be difficult for whoever succeeds him because it will not take much to get some of his partisans lamenting that the king over the water is not there. And and I think this 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 will be this will be a tricky thing because you, there is a definitely a section of the Conservative Party membership that is not reconciled to his departure. Isabel, last week at one of the Tory hustings, Liz Truss was asked of Emmanuel Macron, friend or foe, and she said foe. If you had to answer whether Boris Johnson is Liz Truss's friend or foe, what would you go for? Well, he's definitely happier that she's most likely to succeed him because the sort of personal fury from him and from a lot of people around him towards Rishi Sunak has, has not really diminished as this contest has gone on. But that doesn't mean he's going to give her a kind of, you know, a free pass. And uh, he is mostly, as, as as far as anyone who knows him c- can tell, just mad that he's he's not going to be prime minister anymore. And I think the fact that he's not ruled out a return is also just him sort of going back to what his entire life up to the point at which he became prime minister was, which was, does Boris want to be prime minister? You know, the number of pieces, the number of column inches, the number of um, radio debates that have taken place over the past sort of three decades about that question. It, it is, it's probably very hard for him to, to potentially contemplate 
a pattern of living that doesn't involve that question. And indeed, it was probably quite hard for him to be prime minister, realising that he'd actually made it, having had everyone asking that question for for so long. So I think there's, without wanting to sort of do a load of cod psychology, which I suppose I just have, I think there's also just a, a sort of well-trodden path for him there when somebody says, are you ruling out a return to, to the front line? He, he, he sort of can't resist dropping hints and looking shifty because that's what he's always done. Now, one person we have not been hearing from today is Liz Truss. James, she pulled out of a planned interview with Nick Robinson at about 24 hours notice. Do we have much of a sense of why it is they said yes to something only to then decide it was a bad idea quite soon to the event? I think it was, I think it was two things. I think it was a surprise that she said yes and then pulled out. Because she said yes to doing it, I think, reasonable to say sufficiently late in the contest that it was unlikely to be a, a, a decisive moment I mean I think voting closes on Friday evening doesn't it and she was suggesting doing it this week I, I think the reason that she has pulled out is that she doesn't want to be in a situation of her kind of first big kind of prime time talk to the nation being with her still not saying what her plan is for the cost of living but I also think there is a, a challenge here for her because journalists for good reason and it is not just self-regard it is a good reason they take the scrutiny of the proper long-form sit-down interview seriously and to decide not to do one at all in this contest i mean her team says she's done done two one-on-one interviews but not to do this kind of extended interview with one interviewer i i think will raise some questions and i think it will make journalists think well hang on a second what what is the plan and how how well thought through is the plan i think all what it has done her decision to pull out is if she wins it has raised the stakes as to what she says in her opening days in the job i think that she however fair or unfair whoever wins will be expected to come up with their plan on the cost of living crisis very very rapidly there will be a kind of pent up We've known the state of the energy price cap now for quite some time and the government have not come up with an answer. So what is your answer? I don't think they will get a huge... If they ask for patience while they come up with it, which might, might be quite reasonable in some ways, they will, they, will, they will not be granted that. Isabel, I suppose the trust camp will be worried or thinking if they had agreed to a 30-minute interview, which they obviously had agreed to, but if they had proceeded with that and she still doesn't want to give any details as to the cost of living plan until she's prime minister, it could be pretty painful. Do you think if she does agree to a big interview soon after becoming prime minister, should that happen next week, it will remedy some of this? Yeah, possibly. And as you say, you can understand why having agreed a little bit earlier on in the, the campaign to do this interview they might have then started to think well hang on a second what you know what's she going to say for half an hour is she just going to spend the whole half an hour saying I'm not ruling anything in or out here on the question of whether she will go for direct support for households or handouts or whatever you want to call it to help with the um, the stratospheric energy bills that people are going to be facing and I suspect given the sort of the the slight wobbles in the line on this matter that it would be safer uh, for her to 
have a bit of space for her to then come back as you know as you say as soon as she's prime minister and say okay now I've seen all the details and I've had all the briefings it's much worse than I was led to believe so I'm going to have to go for this targeted support and it's not a u-turn because the facts have changed blah 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 and actually the the pressure will be to come up with a plan rather than to stick to any particular line. And that'll be made much easier if you haven't spent half an hour with Nick Robinson trying to get you to sort of hammer out some kind of line one way or or the other. But it does, you know, there is a bit of sort of disorganisation there, isn't there? Because the way in which this was going to unfold with the details of the price cap and then obviously neither leadership contender being able to have all of the details and all of the sort of the, the really detailed briefings and discussions with civil servants about what's possible until until they're in office it, it might have made sense just not to go for the interview at all there, there is also the, the the accusation which James mentioned about wanting to avoid sort of scrutiny which I think could build into a theme quite quickly if as has been suggested her downgrading of uh, an emergency budget into a fiscal event means that she doesn't have to have OBR scrutiny OBR forecasts of that fiscal event in the way that you would with a full budget and if she comes under and then yields to a lot of pressure from the Boris believers or whatever you want to call them to try to block or change this privileges committee uh, inquiry into whether the outgoing prime minister deliberately misled the commons over party gate so she does need to be careful that she doesn't build up a narrative early on that she doesn't actually want to be questioned on her plans. And just finally, we've spoken a lot on this podcast about the energy price cap, uh, but when it comes to the cost of living crisis, what could exacerbate it, James, there is, of course, the protocol. Where are we at in terms of timings and decisions? Because we did have the reports last week that Liz Truss is considering triggering Article 16 within days of becoming Prime Minister. Yeah, I mean, there is a there is a, 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 in, an, another example of how the new Prime Minister's in-trade is full of difficult decisions to be taken very, very rapidly. There is this September the 15th deadline to respond to the EU's legal action against the UK, which is which the EU took because the UK was proceeding with the protocol bill. They said, right, well, look, we have been prepared to ignore these various things. We're not prepared to do that. Anymore Now, I think there is a challenge here because you might think the fact that this bill still has to go through the Lords provides some time for negotiation. But I think how the UK responds to September the 15th will be very important how you see it. There are, at the risk of sounding like splitting hairs, there are different ways to trigger Article 16. There is a, a, a big moment of I am standing up to the EU and I'm triggering Article 16 or there is a more in sorrow than in anger I'm triggering this while we continue to talk about that and I think Isabel has a very interesting post on Coffeehouse today about Connor Burns the the, the Minister of State in the Northern Ireland office who, who has long viewed this autumn as a kind of window of opportunity for a new Prime Minister to talk now I think things have become more complicated in some ways because you mentioned the Emmanuel Macron comment earlier. I think that, you know, I don't think that necessarily has, if you were trying to start a new era of relations with Europe, that was not necessarily the way to to start it. But I think there is, and I think there is also a difficulty, which is that a lot of the people who back Liz Truss, they are very impatient for rapid progress on the protocol. So I think these things will collide 
And I think there is there is a difficulty now. I think the big question, which is what Isabel's post touches on, is how much willingness is there in Dublin and Brussels to, to basically to to to, to start talks from a position of goodwill with the new Prime Minister? Or will they just regard this as a continuation of the rather bad-tempered talks there were with the UK when Boris Johnson was Prime Minister? Isabel, what are you picking up? Yeah, so um, as James very kindly mentioned, there's a post on Coffeehouse that I've done about uh, Connor Burns, who's been in Dublin this week for talks with various people trying to test the water for some kind of willingness to reach the negotiated settlement, which is Liz Truss's preferred option rather than going nuclear in one way or or the other it's also quite interesting he wouldn't say this directly when I asked him but I think there are some quite interesting figures from the past who are advising him and potentially also advising trusts on this so I am given he met Bertie Ahern the former Taoiseach I asked him whether he'd been in touch with Tony Blair big partner of Bertie Ahern's in in the peace process leading up to the Good Friday agreement and uh, he he gave this sort of coy answer saying I've met with many people who are very keen to help so I think there's there's a sort of there's a group of senior statesmen whatever you want to call them who are really keen to to stop things getting more dramatic and who do as James says see there being a window this autumn where actually there, there could be a compromise and one of the things that has hastened that is the the prospect of the, you know the cost of living crisis making things even harder for people in Northern Ireland, which is is not going to help in terms of the discomfort with the protocol. Thank you, Isabel. Thank you, James, and thank you for listening.